It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Looks like he's going to take off himself, and he will get to the twenty to the fifty. Still going, Riley up in the air. Touchdown, Eskimos. How do you like them apples? Breaking away is Connor McDavid barreling down the right hand side to the net. Richard score. That one, a beautiful end to end rush. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. St. Louis leading Montreal 1-0. Five minutes left in the first period. Also in the first, Detroit up 2-0 on the Jets. And the Lightning lead the Islanders 1-0. Penguins and Rangers are scoreless. Early in the second period, New Jersey and Columbus are tied 1-1. Five more games to come later on tonight. The Edmonton Oilers will tackle the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow. That's on 6.30, Chad. 6 o'clock for the face-off show. The game will start at 7.30. Looks like the Oilers will have the same lineup that beat Calgary 7-5 on Saturday. And that includes Laurent Brassois starting in goal. Had some really good stretches and then um, you know some moments and they're not very long moments they're not uh, game or two games long it's just fraction of games where uh, he's got to remain focused he's got to stay in it and uh, provide us with the uh, with the ordinary save Um, he's made some extraordinary saves um, particularly against Toronto where he used his legs and moved across the crease Um, those are, are very much appreciated because those are severe breakdowns on our behalf but the ordinary save is the one that we're looking for as well and um, we have confidence that he can do that without sliding Laurent Brassois do you want to see what you have in Nick Ellis before Cam Talbot comes back and is healthy uh, I, I just, for me we're dealing with Philadelphia tomorrow and we're going to see LB and I want to see a good strong LB Head coach Todd McClellan, and perhaps it is the ultimate one-game-at-a-time scenario when it comes to Oilers goaltending. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, you can text me at 6.30, The open line, 780-496-0063. You heard Jack Michaels pose the question there to McClellan. Jack's going to join us in about half an hour. And don't forget, Enforcers Week continues on Inside Sports at 7.05 tonight. Carrie Toporowski, who had 505 penalty minutes in one season with the Spokane Chiefs back in 1990-91. They won the Memorial Cup that, that year. That's going to be fine. But uh, look, Brassois is going to be in net. This is not a surprise to me. You got Nick Ellis as the other goaltender on the Oilers roster right now with Cam Talbot on injured reserve. And uh, I don't think you're going to throw Ellis into his first NHL game uh, coming off the game that we just saw in Calgary. Brassois has got to get a chance. He's got some things to fix. Todd McClellan identifying some focus issues there. And isn't that interesting? Just just make the ordinary save. 
And yes, against Toronto, he made some great saves. How about that one on Marlowe in the first period? How about that one on Matthews in the third period? And he looks very steady against Calgary on Saturday night. And then two goals from what should be impossible angles. We can't call them impossible if the odd one does go in, but let in two and that allowed to uh, help Calgary anyway get back into the game. So Brassois admitted yesterday he had some focus issues, admitted that he was guilty of playing the score a little bit. So he knows what he has to clean up. The question is, can he do it? And I think we knew that backup goaltending, well, I think it depends on the person. Uh, but probably some of you thought that backup goaltending was a big question coming into this season. Probably at best you thought it was at least a small question mark. And we've seen this with Brassois over the last couple of seasons now. He can play very, very well, and then there can be a big, big drop-off. It, it's not like he has, you know, an off game or a slightly below average game. When, when some of the goals go in, you are left absolutely shaking your head. I mentioned it's the ultimate one-game-at-a-time scenario because if tomorrow is rough then what do you do going into the weekend? Montreal, Toronto, back-to-back, and then you got Columbus on Tuesday. Now, Camp Talbot, the good news, looking pretty good. Adam Larson, however, did not practice today. It was hoped maybe he could be back for tomorrow. He won't. Here's what McClellan said about the two guys on injured reserve. Talbot's timeline is is generally the same. Um, He'll likely get on the ice a little later this week. And uh, we'll see how he's feeling at that point. He's walking around. He feels great. But it's just some of the movements that he has to make that, uh, that affect him or could slow down the healing process. And uh, Lars is, uh, is going to be perhaps a little bit longer than we thought. He tried to skate yesterday, had a bit of a setback, so it could be a little bit longer. All right, so Larson not quite ready to go. Talbot sounds good. He'll be on the ice later this week. So, you know, maybe he uh, maybe he's able to get back into action next week. That would be a positive for sure. Um, Philadelphia tomorrow, they had a 10-game stretch where they went 0-5-5. That's right, 0-5-5. Got points in half their games, but they were all overtime or shootout losses. How about that win last night against the Calgary Flames? Three goals in a minute, 11 in the second period couple of fortunate bounces for the Flyers. And what about that penalty that was called on Calgary in the second period? The Flyers gifted a power play. It was actually one Flyers player high-sticking another accidentally. Penalty goes to the Flames. Flyers take advantage. They go on to uh, cruise to a 5-2 victory. Calgary's an interesting team, too. Very very up and down. A little bit like the Oilers. Obviously, they have a better record right now, but uh, they've had a few stinkers along the way, just as Edmonton has. So Oilers and Flyers on 6.30, Chet, tomorrow night. Connor McDavid will be able to play back at practice from his illness. Another one. Here's McClellan again. Connor's initial illness um, had nothing to do with the secondary one. It was completely two different things. Um, the, the secondary one has gone through our team. Uh, I'm guessing there's six or seven eight guys that have had it now, um, including staff uh, that travels with the team. Um, keep in mind, we've been on the, or we were on the road for 18 of 20-some days. Uh, germs seem to travel, and uh, it's tough to, to be around each other and, and stay germ-free. So I think that's traveled a little bit throughout the team. Uh, but we are on, um, you know, our awareness of, of hands and water bottles and, and uh, taking care of uh, ourselves uh, has gone up 
and the training staff's making everybody aware of it because what what's going through us right now is more like a 24 or 36 hour originally thought it was food poisoning and i see other teams using the, that term but we've kind of ruled the food poisoning thing out all right so mcdavid back again same lineup as Saturday, so that means no Brandon Davidson, no Nathan Walker, not quite uh, going to get their first chance, well, for Davidson, his second first chance uh, <laughs> as an Oiler. McClellan was asked about integrating those players into the lineup. He said with Davidson, doesn't feel like he really has to be integrated because he knows the language, knows the systems here, knows the expectations. Walker coming over from the Washington Capitals, but with the Oilers, you know, they did score seven goals last game, so uh, no lineup change is uh, needed in terms of the attack. I want to get to something kind of sweet here before uh, we go. We continue with the Oilers talk. As you know, it was uh, the teddy bear toss at the Oil Kings game on Saturday for 6.30 Chet Santa's Anonymous. Over 14,000 bears, new record, so that's awesome. And don't forget to check out santasanonymous.ca to get information on Delivery Weekend, which is coming up soon on the 16th and 17th, where you can drop off any donations that you have. That includes our uh, offices here at 630 Ched during regular business hours, 5204 84th Street. So one of these bears, Kellen, did you happen to see this? Uh, I think it was on the 630 Ched Facebook page I got this from. Okay, go ahead. So, I have not. So the bears are, are thrown onto the ice, right? So they're collecting all the bears. And... One of the bears has a note attached to it. And I want to read the note because this is incredibly cool. Dear the person getting this, Hi, I hope you love your stuffed animal Daisy. Does not have to be named Daisy. I hope you will love and care for her. In return, she will give you happiness, joyfulness, and hope. When you have bad days, you can hug and squeeze Daisy, and she will make you all better in hard times. Daisy is so special because she can make you smile and laugh even when times are hard. I hope you love her as much as you can. Signed, sincerely, a person who loves stuffed animals. Isn't that cool? Some young person took the time to attach that note to the bear they threw onto the ice at Rogers Place on Saturday. I just thought that was a, a, a nice, happy little aside for the show tonight. All right, we got a little bit of uh, Eskimos news. Time for your texts and phone calls if you like. 630-630 is the text line. 780-496-0063. Inside Sports on Chad. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. You asked me to be your savior. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. So this is interesting. The IOC actually doing something. That in itself kind of stands out. The International Olympic Committee suspending the Russian Olympic Committee because of doping during the 2014 Games in Sochi. What won't be seen at the Pyeongchang Winter Games is the Russian flag. The Russian national anthem won't be played. IOC President Thomas Bach says Russians who are clean will be allowed to compete. Under the name Olympic Athlete from Russia, with the acronym OAR. An investigation found members of the Russian government concocted a doping scheme at the Sochi Games. This uh, systemic uh, manipulation of uh, the anti-doping uh, system in Russia was an unprecedented attack on the integrity of uh, the Olympic uh, Games. Russia's deputy prime minister has been banned from the Olympics for life. I'm Ed Donahue. So, 
Just raise your hand if you're shocked that there's been doping going on at the Olympics. <laughs> well, here, here's my here's my question for everybody tonight. What, what, like this? Well, like okay, I said I'd word it as a question. Does anybody think this is ever going to end? And I I'm usually an optimistic person, or at least, well, maybe I am just being realistic here. I mean, if you're driving, don't raise your hand. But show of hands. Who thinks that one day we'll have a doping-free Olympic Games? I'm guessing none of you raised. Like, like this has been, I've been, we've been reading stories about this. I've been reading about stories like this since I was a kid. And I assume most of you have been reading stories about this since you were a kid. The, the first Olympic Games I can really remember watching was 1984. And I was listening to Stoffer and Spectre today on Oilers Now, and, you know, they're talking about doping stories back in the Olympics in the 70s. So, now, now what is shocking is that the Olympic, uh, the International Olympic Committee actually suspended an entire National Olympic Committee, finally saying, enough! Having said that, if you're a clean Russian athlete, you can compete as an Olympic athlete from Russia with the wonderful acronym of OAR. You're going to be an OR. So, ah, uh, that's funny. Well, I'm kind of compete for Russia. I get to be an OR, an OAR. When was that, Kellen? Was that '92? We had the unified team. Yeah, Albert. When the Soviet Union. Whatever, broke whatever up. year Albertville was, I think, I think that, that was '92. Yeah. So the Soviet Union was dissolving. Yeah. So they kept the so instead of the Soviet Union, they had the uh, the unified team. Yeah. So it was Russia and all the states that had, all the countries that had been taken over. Yeah, and by they Russia. had uh, some sort of manufactured flag for the Olympics. Well, that didn't they, they, didn't they just put the Olympic rings up and yeah. play the Olympic theme? Yeah, that's it. When they won a medal. Yeah. So it was the unified team, even though they weren't uh, the Soviet Union. Now they get mm-hmm. to be oars. They get to go being the unified team to a couple generations later to being oars. Anyway, uh, good for them for actually doing something. Uh, this texter says the documentary on Netflix about the doctor behind the Russian doping scandal is a real eye-opener. It's easy to get around the tests. You know what? I have not seen that documentary. Have you seen that one, Kellen? No. Send in the title, because I'm going to be honest. I don't know about that one. Jim says the Olympics are a big waste of time and money. For what? He put for what in all capital letters. Well... I mean, I don't know. You could, if you want, Jim. If you want to go down that path, couldn't you argue? Argue like any any sporting event is a waste of time and money, if you really think about it. I mean, I mean the Olympics. There's, I, I think there are a lot of great things about the Olympics. I just think there are, and I'm not saying all Canadian athletes are clean. Then everybody knows about. Well, I assume everybody knows about Ben Johnson in 1988, and all that kind of stuff. But there was likely one clean athlete out of the eight in that race. You know, if you've seen the documentary 9.85, you know, the, the, the one American, Calvin Smith, was likely clean. Probably the other seven guys were do- Well, we know some of them were for sure. Probably Carl Lewis was, was doping. So, you know, at... at but I, I understand Jim's point. You know, at, at what point... And these, a lot of these are sports... 
and I love talking to a lot of the athletes in these sports because they're working hard every day. They don't get the attention until it's time for the Olympics, and there are a lot of great stories there. But, I, I, I mean, I, I understand Jim's cynicism. Well, actually, Jim, Jim texted back in. He says, not because of the doping, I don't like it. But uh, somewhere along the lines, uh, this is what I was getting to, Jim. How many of those sports are really compelling to, to people to watch if, if it wasn't someone from your country competing for a medal for your country? But the whole doping thing just kind of, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just sad that, that it's just sad that it, the sport like that, an event like that, that could be really positive, there, there's so much cynicism and so much basic cheating behind it. Now, the Russians clearly, they, they, they went all in to organize stuff in 2014. So anyway, they will be allowed to have athletes in. They will compete as Olympic athletes from Russia. Uh, Brian writing in. We've heard the Oilers need speed on Connor McDavid's wing. Nathan Walker is fast, so could he play with 97 in the future? I would say highly unlikely. Nathan Walker is a depth player, has speed, tenacity, uh, doesn't have a lot of offensive skill. The Edmonton Eskimos have had five guys put on the CFL All-Star team for 2017. They are linebacker Kenny Ladner. Uh, Ladler, defensive tackle Armando Sewell, receiver Brandon Zilstra, offensive guard Matt O'Donnell, and uh, oh yeah, you've probably heard of this guy, quarterback Mike Riley. So uh, pretty good, five Eskimos making the end-of-season all-star team. Might bring in this up with Jack Michaels when we get back. A uh, high school girls uh, basketball team in Montana lost a game 102 to nothing. They got shut out? They were shut out in wow. the sport of basketball. I was reading some stuff today, and this is one of those where you kind of read it. I'm not going to spend all day fact-checking this, but somebody who wrote about this game said it's the 20th recorded time in the last century that a team has been shut out playing basketball. That's a rare occurrence. 102 to not. Now, there were some circumstances that would lead you to believe that they were going to be in tough. I'll tell you what happened when we get back. You can always text 630-630. A reminder that some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South comfort food to Edmonton with Southern classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. Northern Chicken is a great spot, 124th Street, 107th Avenue. Donate a toy today and make Christmas come true for 25,000 less fortunate kids through 630Chad Santa's Anonymous. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630Chad. Let's got some text here during the news break. Well, first of all, the name of the uh, documentary about the uh, Russian doping uh, or the Russian doctor behind the scandal, Icarus. So there you go. You can check that out. Thanks to a couple people texted that in. Jeff says, uh, Reed, here are my thoughts on the Olympics. Have two classes, stock for the true athlete, super modified for the cheaters. Just put as much dope into your body as it will handle and see what you can do. I love it. Some drag <laughs> racing logic. That's <laughs> that great. Is from, that is from Jeff. Uh, I had the uh, 
uh, story there about the Russian Olympic Committee being banned. Grim texting in, and I do believe we have an early winner for text of the night. So the Russian athletes that will be allowed to compete will compete under the banner Olympic athlete from Russia, OAR. So Grim says, if an oar wins a gold medal, do they play row, row, row your boat for the anthem? (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. And uh, I was just starting to get to the story here. Brockton High School, the high school girls basketball team, they're in Montana, lost to a rival school 102 to nothing. I was going to give you some details. So they only had five players who could play. And then, and most of them were inexperienced players. And then during the game, two more got injured. So they uh, played most of the second half with four and then three players and lost 102 to nothing. And I was reading about this online, a few articles today. Somebody said that this is the 20th time in the last uh, about century of basketball that a team has been shut out. And uh, <laughs> somebody texted again, even somebody's mother could have head faked and got one basket. Well, there you go. Speaking of great high school athletes, we have Jack Michaels on the line. 102 to nothing, Jack. My God. Yeah, that's a rough day at the office. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's time to reassess either tactics or personnel and probably a mixture of both. <laughs> well, it would have been nice if they would have had more than five players, I guess, in the personnel department. Yeah, I don't think stamina plays an issue when you get beat 102 to nothing. Like I, I, that that can't be solely laid at the feet of depth. I think you've got I think you've got far more issues than a sixth or seventh player who can go, come off the bench. I'll have Vinny, the microwave Johnson, to give you instant offense. I mean, you're you're a long way off when you're losing by a hundred and two. Detlef Shrimp, perhaps. Remember him? Yeah, Detlef Shrimp. Oh, always uh, won sixth man of the year. award, I think, what, Dennis Rodman's probably on that list. Ricky Pierce. Bill yeah, Walton won it one year. Yeah. Oh, yes, with the Celtics, correct. Yes. All these men could have played high school girls basketball for a day and helped this team. Now, if you you coach, and your my impression is, and I'll give you the opportunity, as always, to correct you if you think I'm wrong, but my impression from your tales of uh, you telling me coach your children is that you can be quite a ruthless coach. So if uh, you're co- ruthless, if- how I'm more ruthless <laughs> at my own son. I I think I'm a fiery coach at times. Okay, uh, fair enough. Okay, let's let's agree on the word fiery. Yeah, so fiery. you're 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 coaching the team that's in the process of getting a shutout. Do you, do you oh, let, so I'm coaching the winners. You're case. coaching the winners. Yeah. Uh, you know, how much do you do? I mean, assume you have to hope the, the other guy's playing his least experienced, deepest bench players at the end of that game. Yeah. You, you would mean, hope. At, at about at about 32 nothing, I'm probably <laughs> rolling over to, you know, to get everyone, you know, players 6 through 10 involved. And then at, at 55 nothing, I'm probably going to players 11 through whatever. You know, I'm, I'm definitely going to the end of the bench for the bulk of that game and, and having my starters just cheer on everyone else. It was 59 nothing at halftime, ended 102 to nothing, which leads me to believe they didn't play straight time in the second half. Which I would yeah. have maybe been saying, we got to just run the clock here. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a rough outing. I mean, that's. That's uh, that's tough to overcome because, of course, in high school, 
correct me if I'm wrong. I, I didn't. I didn't catch the beginning of your story as far as whether it was U.S. or Canada. Oh, it's in Montana. It's in Montana. All right, so those are eight-minute quarters. Uh, So it's actually, you're talking about a 32-minute game. So that's, you know, you're you're scoring 102 points in a 32-minute game. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a a tough... Tough day at the office. American yeah, high school American high school basketball's eight minute quarters. Someone will yeah. have to text me, but I thought we were playing four, four tens eight, in Canada. Four eight minute quarters. That's why I asked because I don't actually know what they play in Canada. But in uh, in in boys high school basketball, it's four eight minute quarters, and then men's, as you know, NCAA college basketball is two twenty minute halves, and then in the pros you go to four twelve minute quarters. Okay, so yeah, somebody will take. I'm sure there's a high school basketball player or coach listening. I'm pretty sure Canada is is four tens, but anyway, 102 is a lot of points. Uh, yeah, well, Jack, that's why I mentioned because I figured you might not know that. It's we're talking about a 32 minute game. Wow, at okay. the high school level. Yeah. Okay, uh, Jack Michaels, Oilers play by place, for, uh, joining us tonight on 6:30. Chet, uh, I, I I don't know if did you hear the text I read about the Olympic athletes from Russia? Were you already on the line? The guy, uh, the, I. I was, uh, yeah, as you can imagine, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of filing through some some activities that uh, have not gotten done in the last okay. month. Okay, so I right. catch your text about yeah. the Russian. I got to re- so okay, so the the uh, Russian athletes can compete in the Olympics, but they they won't be for the Russian team because the Olymp- Russian Olympic Committee is banned. So they can compete as the Olympic ath- as an Olympic athlete from Russia, and the acronym will be O A R. So Grim texted it and says, "If an oar wins a medal, do they play row, row, row your boat for the anthem?" That that's a be- that's a beauty idea. Straight out of the Gene Principe slot. <laughs> I'm surprised they don't go back to the unified team. What was wrong with that? Yeah, that was a good. Well, Kellen and I were talking about that. That's what they couldn't they just call them the unified team, or couldn't yeah, they just? I, I realized that unified the the definition would have changed because back then it was the unified team because all the Republicans splintered and they were just saying, all right, we're not the Soviet Union anymore, but we're the unified team. But I mean, you could do the same thing with Russia banned. You're still talking about Russian athletes. They're unified under, you know, maybe one flag. So just. Just go with unified. That would be a little bit easier than, than you know, coming up with some sort of silly acronym. In my in my humble opinion, we've never discussed this, Jack. And by the way, we are having Jack on to talk about some Oilers news. We will get to that. But there's these are some other interesting things here. You and I have never talked about this. You're originally from the United States, a country that traditionally dominates the summer games. And I, I won't say dominates the winter games, but obviously usually has one of the top three or four, you know, uh, teams well, as a at whole. Sometimes they're more of a top ten in the winter. Olympics. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, they're 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 periphery enough that I would say winter Olympics, uh, the U.S. median finish sometimes is closer to six or seven. You know, it's changed over the years, and I'll tell you why. Because they've gone to these, you know, the fancy skiing, the and extreme sports, contests. the extreme sports have helped. Yeah, the, it's helped Canada too, Jack. Yeah, it, it's helped both the United States and Canada because for a while there, and again, this is completely off the top of my head, and I would say the Olympics is, uh, you know, if, if we're talking about Jeopardy, it's probably that second or third tier of categories for me. Um, in terms of of dominating that Dan Patrick Sports Jeopardy show. But, I mean, I would still say, if I had to guess, early 90s, late 80s, U.S. was probably finishing, 
you know, anywhere from seventh to tenth in terms of Olympic medals at the Winter Olympics. I would think, you know, before the extreme sports came aboard, you had, you know, you had all the Scandinavian countries and the Nordic countries finishing ahead. I, I would, I would think the U.S. would definitely be in the bottom half of the top ten for sure. All right, so. Where does this 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 Russian story and I guess in the bigger picture Olympics? Because I've had a couple guys text in and just saying the Olympics are garbage. I don't like the sports. One guy texted it and said they should have a separate Olympics for the dopers and a separate one for the for the clean guys. And I was saying in the last half hour. I mean, look, Jack. You and I are are, are both middle aged men, and we've. I think uh, I know where you're going with yeah, this, I, Reed, and I agree with you. As long as we've been old enough to read or watch television, we've been experiencing stories about doping in the Olympics. Like, I am done with the optimism that it's ever going to go away, you know, or that it's ever going to diminish even. Oh, I I actually thought you were going the other way in terms of. You know, for us middle-aged people, the Winter Olympics, you know, are a little bit diluted and not as much fun as they once were. But I'll tell you what, the younger people love them. And, and it's because of the extreme sports. I think they really have. And I don't I don't love them, although I'll tell you what, that, that half pipe or whatever that Sean White does, I mean, that's, right. that's a pretty cool event. I enjoy <laughs> watching that. I mean, that's like, you know, big air. I mean, I, I, uh, I get a kick out of that, and I can see why... Um, I can see why the Winter Olympics have gone the path they have, and and I, you know, when I, I when I watch these games, uh, you know, especially sports like that, where theoretically, you know, I don't know what advantage would necessarily be gained gained by doping, although I'm sure there is one. Uh, you know, I, I try to just enjoy it for what it is, and it is, you know, they're not Olympic sports as you and I grew up with them, Reed, but they certainly are Olympian level skills that I see at, at the Winter Olympic Games. And again, mostly I'm talking about some of the freestyle skiing uh, and snowboarding. I enjoy the, the those little sprint races they do. I mean, I, I honestly think, I'll give some credit here, uh, because it's, it's not sports that I would ever watch in any other uh, circumstance, but I think the Winter Olympics have done a good job of kind of rebranding themselves and, and finding stuff beyond the traditional, more staid, more middle-aged, if you will, uh, you know, events like figure skating and the old reliable hockey. Because really, you need those, you need those sports. You need those freestyle sports, especially in an Olympic year uh, where where the best hockey players in the world aren't competing. Because it it won't be uh, it won't be near the same for me. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, for me, this year's Olympic, you know, ice hockey event is going to feel a lot like. Uh, and I'm going to reveal my ignorance here, but it's going to be around the level of, of the Spengler Cup, to be honest with you. And I'm not taking shots at people who play in the Spengler Cup, but it's it's not going to be the same for me. I'm not going to I'm not going to feel the same about it. I think that now, you, once you went to the NHL, you made that decision, and yeah, it's hard, hard to go back. I agree. Yeah, it's, you, you, know? you can't give people the the best and then say, "Hey, be right. just as interested in this." And and I I used to because love. There's no underdog angle because now everyone's well... underdogs. You know, when I was a kid, Reed, my first real sports memory. I mean, it is. It's it's absolutely my first real sports memory was the U.S. beating Russia. I mean, that's the one. That's probably. I mean, at this point, it's probably my clearest early memory of being a little kid is is watching that game but there's no way you can recapture it now because everyone's in this everyone's going to be an underdog everyone's not sending their best team it wasn't the same thing as as back then where 
you know, clearly even a casual fan at that point knew that the Russians were professionals and played year-round uh, and, and didn't play anywhere else but the Olympics, and that, you know, the U.S. team was, was a bunch of college guys. And, and that was an underdog story you can embrace. And even that kind of angle, you know, is missing at this, at this Olympic hockey event. I mean, it's still an honor for those athletes, and it's still a competition that I'll probably watch in and out. But it's not going to have near the same effect, even if it was... You're not going to get up at know. 3 in the morning to make sure no. you watch Canada and whoever, or United no, States I, and whoever. I, yeah, that's totally and different. I, and I, you know, I mean, if that makes me kind of a callous, you know, non-patriotic person, well, I, I guess so be it. You know, that's that's the way I feel, though. I, I, and I, there was a certain sort of um, draw for me before there were the NHLers because you got to see up-and-coming players. I can remember watching Paul Correa in the Olympics, uh, Brian Savage in the Olympics, right? Guys who you thought were going to make the NHL. So it was interesting from that angle for me because you knew these guys might go on to play. But, yeah, now that's obviously it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, Jack, before I let you go, great chat, man. I love having you on the show. Um, LeBron Brassois is going to start tomorrow. We don't expect any lineup changes. I know I've been getting tons of questions about goaltending. Uh, it, I mean, the day, it, taking it one game at a time is the ultimate sports cliche, Jack. I, I, it can't apply more appropriately to anything more than Oilers goaltending because you see how Brassois does tomorrow. You, I think you have to give him a shot. I, you can't throw Nick Ellis into this situation, I don't think. And then you have to evaluate who you start on the weekend or still the possibility do you have to go out and try to get somebody. Easier said than done, but it's it's the ultimate take it day by day, see how LB does tomorrow night. Well, I think so. I mean, certainly from Todd McClellan's standpoint, he didn't want to even really commit about, you know, getting Ellis' spot start on the weekend when the Oilers have a back-to-back in, in Montreal and Toronto. Uh, but I think you know one guy who who wouldn't say it's you know who wouldn't say I don't want to be thrown in that situation. Nick Ellis. I mean I I think Nick Ellis wants that shot. And I you know look I, it's hard not to make some comparables be, between Nick Ellis's background and 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 Cam Talbot's background. I mean granted they're you know Cam's Canadian and and, and Nick's American, but they're they're both kind of goalie vagabonds who had to find teams that would that would let them play. In Nick's case, he had to do a year in the USHL just to earn a chance at, at Providence, and then he had to sit there for a few years and, and back up John Gillies and, and finally get his shot and was just lights out uh, his last year at Providence. And, and the same thing. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think a year and a half ago he was he was going to be the favorite to get the Bakersfield starting position. And, you know, he's earned it, and he's, he's played great up there. I mean, uh, you know, a 9.17 save percentage in the American Hockey League is, is an admirable, admirable job. I mean, there are guys, you know, Legacy in Vegas is just one of them. There's a lot of guys in the league right now that, that haven't was, done what Nick has done at the American Hockey League level and, are, and have gotten a few NHL starts. I mean, Arizona had a, had a goalie. I mean, Scott Wedgwood hasn't done what Nick Ellis has done at the American Hockey League level. You know, he, he hasn't. He hasn't been as consistent as Nick Ellis has been, and you know I know Nick's start wasn't as wasn't as good this year as it was last year. But he, you know he found his game, and and I think from his standpoint, and really from the Oilers' standpoint, I, I'm real curious to to see him play a game. And I and that's not a slight on Laurent Brassois, but I think Nick Ellis, uh, you know, might have a Cam Talbot esque chip on his shoulder, thinking you know what, 
no one thought I could do it at every level I've been at, and there's no reason to think I can't do it at the NHL level. Trust me, there weren't a whole lot of people talking about Camp Talbot until Henrik Lundqvist went down and Talbot had a chance to show what he could do at the National Hockey League level. And now he's one of the ultimate workhorses in the National Hockey League. I'm not saying Nick Ellis is, is Cam Talbot, but I am saying here's a guy who's found a way to excel whenever he's been given an opportunity. And I'm sure he wants one opportunity to have the same chance to do that at the National Hockey League level. Jack, I know you're busy. I always appreciate you coming on the show. I'll see you at Pratt, uh, I'll not practice the morning skate tomorrow at Rogers Place. Thanks, buddy. I'm never too busy to talk to you, Reed. There we go. What a kind man. Jack Michaels, Oilers play-by-play voice here on 630 Ched and the Oilers Radio Network. Love talking to Jack because I never know where we're going to go, and uh, we tend to always hit on a variety of topics. You can also let me know, will you watch the Olympic Hockey Tournament in February? Text 630-630. It's 651. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. The Blues lead the Canadians 3-1 in the second period. Also in the second, Red Wings up 2-1 on the Jets. Islanders and Lightning tied 2-2. Everly has his 11th. Penguins lead the Rangers 2-1. In the first, Predators and Stars are scoreless. Heading into the third, Devils are up 3-1 on the Blue Jackets. Coming up later, Buffalo at Colorado. Hurricanes at Canucks. Los Angeles home to Minnesota. Vegas hosting Anaheim. NBA tonight, third quarter, Raptors up 62-51 on the Suns. Oilers tomorrow, hosting Philadelphia. 6 o'clock face-off show. Game will start at 7.30 here on 6.30. Chet Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. When we get back, Enforcers Week continues on Inside Sports. Tonight... We will feature Kerry Toporowski, who had a meager 505 penalty minutes in 1991. Why is it meager? Because he was six off the league record set by yesterday's guest, Brent Gogol. But this is going to be fun. Kerry's uh, son, actually, is a pretty good prospect to one they play in the NHL. Enforcers week. Going to continue when we get back. Oh, we still got, I totally mistimed that, Kellen. I still got another Yeah, minute. I was wondering where you're going. Well, this is great. Well, calling. I get a little confused sometimes. <laughs> also tonight, Joanne Ireland is going to be in studio, longtime hockey writer in the city. She now has a book out, 100 Things Oilers Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Well, I guess you would have to do it before you died. Like, I, I, I should write a book. 100 things you have to do after you die. <laughs> I'm going to come back and haunt all of you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm starting with you, Chris and Victoria. Back after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.